You know, I, I was looking, I was watching Jackson back there with, with Aaron. And uh, I just tell you what, I got tickled. I, it was just so fun watching him. I mean, okay, you know, some of us were going like this. You know, some, some you know. But the Jackson, I mean, he's just like all in. I mean, the worship, I mean, he was just there and he's got in his arms going out like this. And I mean, I just, that was just fun watching that. I mean, how many just love being around a happy spirit, right? You know, people that love the smile. I mean, how many friends have you made with a smile? I love the fact that our youngest son, Abram, uh, he came in the world that way. I mean, he he just was smiling right off the bat and he was just a delight to be around. And and uh, I mean, there's just something catching about a smile and laughing and all that. I, I remember Heidi and I was on an international flight one time and we were, uh, you know, just kind of minor business. And pretty soon we hear, you know, this 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 noise behind us and. And some people, a few rows back, are, are laughing. And pretty soon, a few more people are laughing. And the people around them, they begin to laugh. And before we know it, Heidi and I are kind of giggling there in her seat. And we're just laughing. And before you know it, half the plane is laughing. We don't even know what we're laughing about. I mean, it, it's awesome. I mean, there's just something about, you know, this idea of being around somebody, you know, that has the knack of being up. You know, the knack of being up. We have a, a, a mother that's in this church. Her name is Raquel. And she's sitting back there. And, and she has this perpetual smile on her face. And I love being around Raquel because she's happy. She just has the knack of being up. I mean, Abram, back to my son, Abram, he has that kind of spirit. Uh, Abram was born uh, with poor eyesight. In fact, when he was three or four years old, he gets his first set of glasses and he was literally considered legally blind. Well, uh, the corrective lenses has helped his vision a whole lot. Well, I remember about when he was eight years old, um, he wanted to get contacts. And so uh, with our permission, the doctor allowed him to get contacts. He was a very responsible young man. And he was wearing his contacts that first year, about eight years of age. And I'll never forget uh, one day riding in the car. I was driving. He was sitting in the back. He wasn't driving. I was. And uh, I was driving. He's sitting in the back. And he's about eight years of age. And, man, he sneezed. And I'm talking about one of those sneezes that come from the bottom of your feet. I mean, a real belly sneeze. I mean, a loud sneeze. And he sneezed. And, and then a beat after that, I blessed him. And a beat after that, he said, Dad... He says, I sneezed so hard, I almost blew out my contacts. <laughs> and uh, he had that kind of witty spirit. I mean, Abram is just, you know, he just has this knack of being up. And it's fun being around people that, that, that are happy. And uh, today our passage gives us a, a lesson on how we should see and enjoy the good things in life. I, I, I believe that. In fact, we go to Acts chapter 16, verse 28, and we're picking up there, of course, remember Paul and Silas. That's the story. And they've casted out the evil spirit. And and then, of course, the people become angry and they flog them and they beat them and they throw them into the cell, you know, and their feet are in stocks. And and there at midnight, they're singing praises to God and they're praising the Lord. And then what happens? Remember, the earthquake takes place. The earthquake shakes the earth. and, And, of course, all the jail cell doors, they come flying open. And then we read where the, the jailer is, you know, he's distraught. He feels like he's failed because the prisoners are about to run. And, and of course, he's there just preparing himself because of his defeat. He's preparing himself to, to fall on the sword. And it's interesting, maybe a little strange, even considering, you know, all the tribulation and the trial that, that Paul and Silas have been through. But here's what Paul does. We see that here in Acts chapter 16, verse 28. 
uh, we read that Paul shouted. One translation says that he cried in a loud voice. This is more, I imagine, in my, my mind's eye, it's more than a, a football coach shouting at his team, you know, running down the yardage there, down the, the line or the, the perimeter of the field and yelling at his team, trying to get them to get the ball or, or do something or make some kind of play. I mean, it is greater than that kind of yelling. The yelling that's coming from, of course, the voice box. I don't know why I, I, I learned this, but I learned that the voice box is kind of a guard dog to the trachea, you know, so we don't aspirate food. And, and, and so here is Paul, kind of this guard dog, and using his voice for this jailer, who obviously anybody would agree that he was facing disappointment, just as Paul and Silas had, had faced, you know, the law and the angry crowd and the community that abused them. And, and now they're facing down the very laws of nature itself in the midst of all of the confusion. And all the chaos that's taking place, we have Paul now who keeps his vision on the mission of Christ. And that is key, remember that. He keeps his eyes on the mission of Jesus Christ. And Paul sees God in it all. Talk about the knack of being up, right? I mean, Paul sees God in it all in the midst of the trial and the tribulation. And I can't help but think of Romans eight twenty eight, believing that all things do work together for those who love God. And so he has this knack of being up and he, he sees God in the, God in the midst of, of all the chaos and he has this, this kind of perpetual spirit that's saying there's hope. I love it. Like Robin Williams in an old movie, Good Morning Vietnam. How many remember that movie? And, and Robin Williams is bringing hope to the soldiers. He'd get on the microphone and what he'd say, Good Morning Vietnam. And he'd do that and he'd bring hope to the soldiers. And I, I imagine, you know, you know, Paul's doing the very same thing because the reality is God needs someone to shout the good news. If you're filling in the blanks, this is where you fill the blanks in. Because God needs someone to shout the good news. And, and Paul was it. And he shouts. He shouts like fans at, at the Ranger, you know, at the Ranger Stadium, Petco Stadium, on the most important day of their history. And you can imagine that day how the fans are shouting. He shouts like that, kind of like the, uh, the fans at... Uh, uh, Tropicana Dome. We used to live in Florida and the, the Tampa Rays, a major baseball team there, they play and Heidi and I used to attend those games as well. And, and the thing is there in Tampa, you know what they bring to the game? They bring cowbells to the game. Not the little tinsy, but I mean the big metal clanking cowbells. And I mean there's thousands, tens of thousands of people have cowbells and they're clanking and shaking the cowbell and they're shouting. And why are they doing that? Because a shout moves the soul. A shout is emotional. A shout is passionate. And you see, that's what's happening right here. He is passionate about the fact that this jeller's soul was at stake. But yet we have to admit and know also that sometimes a shout comes to us in just in just a whisper. Because sometimes the loudest part of the message is it's not the part that I'm shouting the loudest part of the, the, the sermon is not the part that, I, the part that I'm, I'm the loudest, but sometimes the most important part of the sermon is the part that I'm just gently sharing from my heart. Because sometimes a shout, a whisper, excuse me, a whisper is louder than any shout. 
Like a parent that's tucking their, their, their child into bed at nighttime and they're tucking their little boy in or their little girl and then the parent leans down and whispers in their little boy or their little girl's ear. And, and, and in spite of all the noise and all the screaming at school and, and all the noises they've heard all day long, what they hear perhaps the loudest is when mom or dad whispers to them, son, I love you. Daughter. In spite of all the noise that's happened through the week, they're remembering the shout of the whisper as that parent is sharing their love with their precious child. You see, look at this. Paul's charge is not in the volume of his voice. It is in the urgency of the call. In fact, we go to Isaiah in 42.11 and there's this urgency singing praise to God. And he writes it like this. The psalmist writes, shout it from the mountaintops. Some of us think of somebody standing on a mountaintop, but I don't think it's, I don't think that's it. I think there's some layers of, of meaning here of what's going on here. It's not just a person standing on the mountaintop shouting glory to God, but there's these layers of meanings that, that, that there is something about the way we live our life and the way we manifest the very spirit and the presence of God in us. It's as if we are living so anti or so cross-cultural, so, so different than the world around us. It's almost a shout. We, we look at uh, Psalm 132, looking at verse 9, and we read there, The saints shout for joy, for they know the Lord. Listen to that. The saints shout for joy, for they know the Lord. I remember the first church I pastored was Greenville, Texas. And... Uh, I think we had about 10 people to begin with in the church. You know, we had a great experience and growing. But one of the original members of the church was a guy by the name of, of Mr. McCabe. And, and uh, Mr. McCabe was probably about 88 years of age. And at one point, he had to be in about 6'7". I mean, he was, he was a tall dude, but now he's all humped over and gray. And, and he wore a, a blue, shiny blue nylon suit. I'll never forget Mr. McCabe. And remember, I'm just green. I'm, I'm only 26 years of age. And I'm trying to, you know, fumble through my message and preach the gospel. And Mr. McCabe would sit about the second row in. And, and, uh, and I'd be, you know, preaching my message. And Mr. McCabe, all of a sudden, you know, his legs would begin to shake a little bit and pretty soon he'd pull his hanky out of his pocket and then all of a sudden he would begin to stand oh, on one leg and he'd begin to shout and he'd begin to praise the Lord like this and go up the aisle a little bit and come back down the aisle. He gets so loud I have to stop preaching and put my hands on his hips like this until he got done. Because he was wanting to praise the Lord. He was wanting just to lift up glory to God. Look at this. Paul knew some things. I mean, he knew that the man had had a glimpse of eternity, you know, and that was beginning to have an effect. I mean, he's poised to fall on a sword due to failure. But he has this glimpse of eternity. I mean, he had a chance for a quick evaluation of what really matters or what really has value in life. And the second thing is Paul knew that the nature of man, or especially a man that is without Christ, had something that was terribly missing in his life. And perhaps it was a thankless job or maybe even the, how he had been reprimanded in the past. And this was really a big failure. I mean, I don't know what the context is, the story behind the story. But the fact is that there was something terribly missing. And that who was terribly missing was Jesus Christ. I don't know if that resonates. With you. 
Because you're scratching your head. So why is this happening? What's going on here? Why is this chaos happening? And, and maybe it's something that's terribly missing. Someone that is terribly missing. You see, God needs someone to receive the good news. That's our second idea here. And, and knowing the situation, you know, Peter, knowing it was teetering at a point that could go either way, you know, for the soldier, because I'm imagining him suspended above his sword. And, 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 he, and he says, we're all here. We're all here. And I don't know if there's conversations that had, you know, been had before this or consensus from the prisoners. I doubt it. I imagine it was just a faith claim that Paul was making that the prisoners were not running. It's not failure. We're here. It's interesting and it shouldn't surprise me, but it does because, you know, all hell breaks loose here, literally, and the world and, and the forces of hell are fighting against these do-gooders. And it seems like whatever goes wrong, you know, goes wrong at this time. I'm wondering if you can relate to that. If you can relate to, you know, things going wrong and chaos happening in this world and happening in life. And, and in the midst of that, you're saying, wow, my life's really being disrupted. Because we're talking about the disrupted life. I mean, I mean, think about the story here, the context. Wow. Had God really disrupted the life of Paul and Silas? Had he really disrupted, he really disrupted the life of this soldier? And I think sometimes when our life is disrupted spiritually, and we don't know something spiritual is happening sometimes, most, most of the time probably, I think when life is disrupted, it can feel unfair. It can feel, why is this happening to me? Why am I having to go through this? I mean, this, this feels, just, it just feels so unfair. And I can think of people many years ago, long, long ago, that probably felt the exact same way when they arrived in the promised land. And they arrive in the land that is flowing with milk and honey. And they're arriving in the land with all the promises and how everything is going to be perfect. Oh, it's going to be better then. You know, it's going to be good then. And they find that there are giants in the land that are, that are tighter than ticks on a dog. And now there's this battle that has to be fought. And I can imagine how they had to feel unfair. And as they were preparing, you know, for the battle, you know, imagine the, the, the message that God gives Joshua when he says, as Joshua directs Joshua to direct the people, that you are to be obedient. And really there's two things that he asks of them, that they be obedient. Think about this, that they be obedient. That means that they will march around the city seven times or seven days, not drawing their swords, not, you know, fighting, you know, weapons. But they are just simply, they are simply nothing else, just simply being obedient to God. And this is so very interesting. Considering this passage that we're studying, because the second thing that is expected of them on that seventh day is to shout. I love the choir special, by the way. Where's Kelly at? I mean, wow. I mean, shout. Was it shout? Hosanna, shout. Yeah, shout. It's interesting that the the second thing expected was, was to shout. To shout the message of, of the Lord. And, and the Apostle Paul says, look, we're all here. He says, we're, we're with you. You're, you're not alone. And he shouts loud enough, whether it was in a whisper 
a spirit of urgency. He shouts loud enough that the jailer hears it. And all of a sudden there is this change and this transformation that begins to happen in the jailer's life. Because he encounters someone that he does not have, that he desperately needs, that we all need. And that is, of course, Jesus Christ. The text is saying something. The text is saying, don't fret. The text is saying, single parent, don't fret. The text is saying to, you know, the widowed husband or the widowed wife, don't fret. It's saying that there is a spiritual plan, this awesome plan that God has for us and that God wants to reach us and he wants to walk with us and he wants to be the answer for life. You see, just as he was for the jailer, that's what Jesus Christ wants to be for us and he wants it with urgency. With urgency, he desires to have relationship with you. I was driving through, uh, some years ago, I was driving through uh, McDonald's airport, airport, McDonald's parking lot. Um, <laughs> that would be an interesting McDonald's, wouldn't it? Uh, but driving through McDonald's parking lot, and uh, I had just come in, and thank goodness I was paying attention. But uh, the double doors of the restaurant had, had flown open. And this this little tiny girl just ran. And I'm moving. I'm not sure how fast I was going, maybe 10 miles an hour or something like that, like in a parking lot. And I'm moving, and, and she just ran right in front of me. I mean, I don't mean, oh, there she is, I'm going to stop. No, I mean, it was like, okay, I'm going to hit this girl. And she just runs right in front of me. And as that's happening through the double doors, I hear this blood-curdling scream from her grandmother. And she stops, and she stops, and she's just inches from the side of my bumper. I mean, just that blood-curdling scream. You can imagine the urgency of that grandmother's voice. The urgency that she wanted to save her granddaughter. Imagine that's the kind of urgency that Paul was, was, was speaking to the soldier, the jailer. The kind of urgency that he was urgent that his soul would be saved and that he'd know Jesus. We're still here. We're still here. God is speaking to us with urgency and he's speaking in a way that he's saying he wants to have relationship with you. And he wants your relationship with him to be right. And I don't know what that means for you. But I know this, that God is urgent to have relationship with you this morning. Let's bow our head and close our eyes for just a moment. Precious Father in heaven, we love you so much today. Father, we, we, we come here and we gather to worship and, and Lord, we enjoy all the things that go on, but Lord, more than anything, we want to hear from you. We want relationship with you. And so Father, I, I pray that this morning that as we, Lord, just prepare our hearts to hear your voice, that Lord, that we would hear your voice with the urgency that it has, I believe, and that you desire relationship with us and you want to walk with us and, and have relationship with us. And it's possible right now that there's some today in the sanctuary that is just hungry for this right relationship, hungry, Lord, to just walk with you. And so, Father, I pray that you would hear that voice, hear that prayer right now, Lord, across the sanctuary, whoever it might be. Maybe this is the first time that you've thought this way. And maybe you feel like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I know this. And I can share this with you as we pray together that the Lord loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he became flesh. He allowed himself to go to the cross on your behalf. 
That Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you might have everlasting life and have relationship with him. And if you desire relationship with him, all you have to do is pray. And he'll hear your voice. He'll respond to your voice. And I believe that he will come in and he will be your your friend. He will be your guide. He will be your Lord. And he will be your Savior. As you say, Jesus. I hear your voice. I hear your spirit, Lord, speaking to me with urgency. And so, Lord, we just respond to you right now. Not necessarily to the preacher's voice or even the music that's awesome, that's, that's spectacular. But, Lord, we just we hear your voice. We respond to you, Father. And I pray that, Lord, that you would just answer that prayer right now, that one person's praying. This morning, that's praying that right now, Lord Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I want to respond to your voice. Who would that be this morning? Who's speaking to the Lord right now in that way? That's between you and the Lord right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I just want to hear your voice. I hear, I feel the urgency of your call, your presence in my life. So, Lord Jesus, I choose you. Thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer. Thank you, God, for being present. Thank you, God, for being holy. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our heart this morning. We worship you, Father. We thank you for this answer prayer. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.